Welcome to another edition of Conversations with Creative Women. I'm Sandy Klein. My guests today are Sheila Head and Norma Lana. They're behind the pulpy comedy Hollywood Nurses. Sheila and Peter Marino co-wrote the play, Norma's the Producer. How's this for a tease? When the secret worlds of deviant nurses collide at Hollyview Hospital, they ignite forbidden passions, erupting into a dangerous scandal that even the most modern medicine cannot cure. Not my words, and we're going to talk more about that later. Hollywood Nurses is not Sheila's first play. Her other credits include The Egg Game, Over My Head, and Enter Smoking. Briefly, she was a staff writer for the ABC Disney Convergence Project, creating shorts, narrative interactive gaming projects, and programming for the Disney Channel. Then there was Ruth Truth, an interactive detective comedy based on her experience as a private eye in Manhattan's Chinatown neighborhood. It aired on the Oxygen Network. Sheila was also a staff writer on Cyber Chase, the Emmy Award-winning animated series on PBS, and has written for Garrison Keillor and has contributed to The Next Big Thing on WNYC NPR. Last but not least, Sheila regularly performs in New York and L.A. as Sandra O'Day, the ex-con motivational speaker who has anger management issues. Norma Lana, who is a lead producer-manager of Hollyview Productions, has a background in musical theater. She produced shows in New York and L.A. for the comedy group Girls on Top and wrote and starred in the short film The Wedding Dress. Norma performed in regional theater, comedy clubs, and cabaret before focusing on producing and media training. She's worked with thousands of high-level theater and business professionals in presentation and on-camera skills and communication effectiveness and was the managing editor of a finance publishing group at Citibank. Norma, who has a master's from the Columbia University School of Journalism, has worked for several networks, including PBS, NBC, and Discovery. By the way, Norma and Sheila have been married for four years. So to the two of you, welcome and thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you for having us. So let's start with how did your paths cross? We do voiceovers, and uh, many years ago, we used to sound more alike, and we would... We still sound a little bit alike. A little bit, but but we would see each other on the rounds, and mm-hmm. we just always really liked each other and chatted. Yeah, and then we wound up on a voiceover job together. That's right. We, we really had a good time. Yeah, she was funny, and it was just... We had a great time. We rode the train home together. We realized we lived in the same neighborhood. We were both seeing other people at the we're same time. We were both seeing other time. people. Right, and happy in your in those relationships? Absolutely or, not. Mm, absolutely <laughs> not. <laughs> no. Okay, so you were primed for this? She was just someone who kept showing up, and I I always really liked Norma. You know, she was a straight girl. And at the time. At the time. <laughs> right, yeah. So you thought... <laughs> Field hockey aside. <laughs> and motorcycle <laughs> aside. She didn't know she was gay. No, she had no idea. But you thought, I kind of initially, that I made a new friend? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was really excited about this new friend that I met. And? And then um, one day she's like, "Let's." she said, let's go out to dinner. And I said, that sounds great. You know, new friend date, and I'm all excited, and... She's sitting across the table from me, and she says, do, do you think you could ever have a relationship with a man? And I said, oh, yeah, sure. I'm actually kind of dating um, this guy right now who's really cool and whatever. And she goes, oh. And I said, well, why? And she, she looks at me right in the eyes, and she says, because I, I think I could be in a relationship with a woman. And I realized suddenly that I was on a date. I even looked at her, and I said, oh, I'm on a date. 
And then you walked, obviously thought to yourself, I guess she means this woman. She meant me. Me. Hello. But it took me a minute to realize that you were talking about me. I was. Yeah. yeah, How did you feel about, you know, kind of taking your clothes off verbally? It was very awkward and and vulnerable. Mm. uh, But I really, really liked her. And I really wanted to explore where this could go. So it was it was kind of new for me. Mm-hmm. And um, we dated long distance for a while because I was moving to LA with my show, Girls on Top, at the mm-hmm. time. And I think I needed to have that space to sort of get used to the fact that I was dating a woman. And sort of let that kind of wash over yeah. you, right? Yeah. And it was good for me because there was kind of a magic moment that takes too long to describe, but it, it made me realize that in order to win Norma's heart, I would have to write that I would have to communicate to her in words. And email, we were just like, email, everyone was just finally emailing, but it was still dial-up. And so she was How long ago was this? Let's give a time context. 98. Yeah. Oh, this is old. This is when we started a date. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So in 1998, she moves to Los Angeles for a couple of years. Is this 20 minutes after you met that you moved? It was it was pretty close. Yeah, I was, she's pretty much like, I think I would really like to date you. I have to go to Los Angeles. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm sitting in New York, and, and she had given me an article she had written for Glamour magazine about the day she got rid of her wedding dress. And it was so funny and touching and concise. So I would stay up till 4 o'clock in the morning with a thesaurus, composing like three-sentence <laughs> emails that were... That made you, you know, look really smart and Well, I just didn't want to say enticing. too much and basically <laughs> make her realize what a nutbag I I am. So I would write these really lovely, concise emails and send those to her. And that's how we started. And then you came out and you did the show. She was a guest in our comedy show and she stayed out for a month. And that's when we really clicked and said, OK, we're going to we're going to really make this work. Yeah, now. this this is now going to be a, a relationship. So how did this work professionally? You were doing voiceover work. Mm-hmm. Mostly back then? I had just come out of writing for Oxygen, uh, The Ruth Truth, and I was going into Cyber Chase. So you had your thing going here. Mm-hmm. And you, Norma, why did you went to L.A.? I went out there to do the show and to did explore you do the L.A., show? but I was an editor on Wall Street, and I was working remotely for a firm on Wall Street at the time. And I was... I. The journalism thing had always been sort of my other career, so I was still sort of, that was my... You still had a foot in that. Yeah, yeah. But when we got together, we had to have a conversation because we were doing voiceover work, we were with different agents, and we're both women. When it's a man and a woman, you know, you're not as jealous when someone goes on a job and you Because you wouldn't have gotten yeah, that Yeah, yeah. So we, we really worked that out early on. We said, okay, you know what, whatever you get, if I don't get it... It's okay. It's still part of the same team. And so we had to sort of iron that out, just voiceover-wise. Um, on camera and with other things, we're very different, different types. Very yeah. different types. So your voiceover work, that was not your main source of income. Yes. Oh, it was. You know, I have three passions. I'm an actor, I'm a writer, I'm a teacher. They all provide revenue stream at some point. And mm-hmm. sometimes one revenue stream is mightier than another. So at that point, Cyber Chase was really keeping me afloat because um, we were on strike. The commercial actors were on strike, 99 into 2000. So now it's still a primary source of income for me, and it, it usually is. But at that point in time, for at least six to nine months, there was no voiceover income at all. So that's why I was in Los Angeles with her. You, for you five could afford months. to go then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I had to. Mm-hmm. I, I sublet my apartment and went mm-hmm. and, and lived with her in Los Angeles. What you both seem to have in common are these eclectic careers. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes, under you know the same kind of awning, but Norma, business, yeah. Citibank, yeah. you know. Yeah, I, I ran a 
publishing group, and and I got into teaching writing through that and how to present and do media trainings, you know, appear on camera. And then I mm-hmm. ran the uh, media component for uh, a website at City for many years. Wait, can I just toot your horn for yeah, you? Yeah, sure. So basically what Norma did, and you can correct me or just we can cut this, but she established for City uh, the global studios and formats for people to do analysis so that People could see them. It's basically she started what I consider the Bloomberg of Citigroup, except it's very closed and it's for high-level investors. So she established their network and trained people to appear on camera and taught them how to do focus groups. So that We're not talking chop liver. No, it's it's just mind-blowing to me. Mm -hmm. So this is the kind of thing Norma does. You know, she sees this big picture and makes things happen, and which is why she produced the play. Because, you know, Pete and I have been kicking the script around forever, and we had finally just looked at each other and said, let's just put it in the drawer. It never Mm -hmm. really happened. It was never timely. And one morning, Norma wakes up, and she had this bee in her bonnet, and she says, "Uh, I'm going to produce Hollywood Nurses. And so Pete and I uh, just kind of said, great, you do that. That'll be great. We'll do another (laughs) reading, and people will come and tell us how good it is, and it should be produced. And then she produced this reading that we just had at uh, the Playwrights... Playwrights Horizon. Horizon With some uh, bold-faced names who were doing the reading, right? Kathleen Turner. Kathleen Turner and um, Rosie O'Donnell. Yeah. Leslie Margarita, Geneva Carr. Geneva Carr, uh, Max von Essen, and Louder Taylorman. I mean, they're all like... Taylor Louderman. Taylor Louderman. (laughs) What's in a name? Who cares? What's in a name? Yeah. Yeah. And it was a benefit, too. And it was a benefit for the... um, Phyllis Newman's uh, Center for uh, part of the Actress Fund, which helps women uh, performers in need Mm -hmm. for health issues. Yes, yes. When I was trying to write this introduction, it was not all over the place, not in a negative way, but in a, there's so much that you guys have done and that you're not pigeonholed. We're no, not. not. You know, as far as Hollywood Nurses goes, I have produced small shows, my own shows, other people's shows over the years, but I've never taken on something of this stature or nature. Magnitude. Yeah, yeah magnitude. Thank you. Um, and I saw readings of this and workshops over the years, and I always believed in Peter and Sheila's vision for this and Carl Andrus, the director, who's amazing, his vision for it. He's been with it since 2004. Yeah. He's just an angel. He's just remarkable, and, and he he works a lot with uh, Charles Bush and other people. He's very well well established and a great guy. And after the last reading, last summer, I think it was, uh, some theater wanted to do a reading of it, I said, this, this has got to get done. And I've got to get it. And I'm going to try to help it move it along. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. through Carl and other people, we met the right management team, DR management, and we really started moving forward with it. And I'm very excited about where it is right now. Um, After this reading, we're hoping to go to a full production, and that's that's where we are. But it's been an exciting process for me and kind of like a graduate degree in producing. So is this kind of the biggest deal that the two of you have joined forces on? Other than being married? Yeah. (laughs) I mean, professionally. I guess it is. I guess it is. So let's talk about this. So what is Hollywood Nurses? Uh, Hollywood Nurses is an homage to the lesbian pulp fiction of the 1950s. Which was what? Very much under the table? Well, first of all, you have to think about the covers. The cover cover art was very uh, sexy and salacious, and it was done for male readership. But inside, a lot of the the women, not the men writing as women, but a lot of the women were lesbians and were trying to be 
as honest as they could. So there was a lot of not quite so honestness on the cover, but inside, as Ann Bannon says, they were really trying to be honest between the pages. And back then, you know, there, there weren't there wasn't a community. And so w when these women, and this was always so touching to me, you know, you would go into the Woolworths or whatever and see these on the rack. And can can you imagine seeing two women looking at each other in this way and suddenly you have that thing happen inside of you and you go, oh my goodness. I can connect. I can connect with this. And so having to take that book up to the counter <laughs> and buy it and then go home and get to read that there are other people like you because basically there was a community that didn't know it was a community. Well, that kind of brings up the question, why did Woolworths have these books on its shelves? For men. In censorship, there were certain rules as far as how to the, the books had to go. There always had to be one woman um, in the relationship who was more of a victim huh. of being, you know, in quarters with too many other women. Mm -hmm. There was always a more predatory or um, Not loose. by any choice of her own, right. kind of. And the censors, you know... Um, if there was not a mental problem with one of the girls, she was a victim of rape, and then the mm -hmm. books were not allowed to end happily, usually. So for the, the, for the woman, for the woman, did the woman see the light for at the, the end of the book? One of them would either get married, and then one would be a cast off of society. Okay, return to the boyfriend, cast off, or mm -hmm. um, or put in a mental hospital. But before you got there, you had these really steamy, lovely, vulnerable, secret romances, and I think that's the heart of what we loved about it was this, because Pete and I are both gay, mm -hmm. and um, there was just this lovely recognition that, man, we really stand on the shoulders of people, of our you know gay and lesbian and trans forefathers and mothers. Who, who really paved who the way. Who really paved yeah. the way and mm -hmm. paid, and yeah. they paid. Yeah. Yeah. And so this was just, um, once Pete and I started reading these books and we realized what was underneath all of it, we really wanted to create that story. Did you read these books growing up? No. no. I had no knowledge of them until... Well, they were before our time. Right. I your... really only knew the covers, and, the, and it was nothing that I had ever yeah, pursued to Yeah, me too. i just seen the covers. And yeah. Sort of so pitchy. did you stumble on them? I mean, how... No, what? usually um, it would be in poster shops and stuff like that. You would see these marvelous repros mm -hmm. of the covers, mm -hmm. and they're just, you know, like, oh, my, what's the one I have in my office up uh, at home is the Reform School Girl. Right. right, reform school someone girl. in prison. And, and there's like yeah. one of the girls behind bars and one of them is on the ground just in a place Help like, oh, me. no, uh -huh. you know, yeah. and it's it's they're, they're really kind of marvelous. So you separate from each other read this particular story no. or you did it? No, this was Pete and I were doing our own research. I um, came to it through them, basically. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and I would interested. say I say, Norma, this one, not so much. I think this one was probably written by a man. And you can do the research. There's a book by Jay Zimmet. Mm hmm. Um, called Strange Sisters, and it's the initial J, J A Y E. Oh, 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 Z I M E T, and she has done a beautiful job of putting together the history of these covers. And so Pete and I started reading these books, and then we got Jay's book, mm -hmm. and that just like gave us so such wonderful direction and helped us understand even better. And there's a foreword by Ann Bannon, who is, you know, she did the Bebo Brinker Chronicles. She was just, she's the godmother of lesbian pulp. And um, she, you know, it's just, it's just great stuff to read. And some of Ann's books are real, I mean, they're just so good. And I would say, Norma, you, you really have to read this one. This one is, there's some steam in this one here. <laughs> <laughs> Check this one out. We all know the term pulp and pulpy. How does it fit into that category? What what are the components that make it such? Just very steamy. Are they well written? Some of them are. 
Yeah, you'd be surprised how well-written some of them really are. They're also are. very stylized. They're very stylized, yeah. There's a real... Um, 1950s. It's there's real... there's kind of a patter and a phrasing that we don't we don't have now. Were they ballsy for that time? A little, yeah, some of them were really ballsy for the time. So you're attracted to this particular story. Well, yes, and we just couldn't... We, they're, all of them, Pete and I just felt were so unique and we would actually write down certain phrases and we would email them to each other because we were just like, this is just the most tremendous thing. So that helped us shape our girls, the men in the play and the old nurse who's got an eye on everybody, you know? So we had, yeah. we just started to structure that world and we went through, Carl really helped us. He shepherded the project from the time from 2004, he helped us. This has been going on yeah. that long. Yeah. Uh -huh. Well, it's had periods of inactivity. Oh, sure, you know, where you've done right. other yeah. things. But sure. between 2004 and 2007, we found the play. At 2007, Ars Nova did a reading of it, um, Playthings, the LGBTQ um, Young Person Theater Group did a reading of it. Mm -hmm. um, we've had a lot of readings. And it just... It's, it's just, just gotten better and better. It just better. gets better. So you're better. ready now. Oh, it's ready. It's ready. It's ready, and you're ready. It's ready. And I feel I feel really good um, when we did the reading uh, for the benefit with Rosie and, and everybody, um, the laughter. The response was... The response was like, that cast hit every joke and found some, mm -hmm. you know? And it, it had the audience, the receptive large audience that we had never really had before. We'd had yeah. maximum 50 people. Yeah, we were sold out. It was about 200 people. And it was really wonderful to hear that reaction to the script. I must ask this question in terms of this particular play and book. What is the difference between pulp and campy? I would say honesty in the performance. There is a lot of, there is some camp to this, mm -hmm. but it's it's really um, every cast we've ever had, and we've had many, they all went for the heart. They really went for the heart and mm -hmm. the tenderness, mm -hmm. especially our two nurses, uh, Nurse Jenny and Nurse Suzanne. And um, I think that's, that's the difference is there's there's really love between the characters and as, as the all honesty, our yeah. and the honesty I just think is is the difference there's also there's nobody in drag you know there's nothing like that there's there's, there's no it's, Charles it's Bush just, in that play who's notorious well, for, I love Charles yeah. oh I, I know mean, we love Charles yes but, but we don't have you know a character in drag doing this fantastic character right uh, and and Charles a lot much of his stuff is so funny because it's based in truth and taken to a new place right wouldn't you say yeah I'd say that's well, when he played Mother Superior in the Divine oh, Sister, okay. that's I thought the most generous and him I'm and Julie stuttering. Austin. Well, and she's been on the show twice, <laughs> of course and she she's has. a personal friend of mine. They could read the phone, phone book. book. Oh, I know. And yeah. when she and she has, and in that play, the Divine Sister, when they're trying to get money from the Jewish widow on the I hill, can't I mean, you just <laughs> even. Can't. Yeah, I mean, and my friend Jennifer Van Dyke was in that. I have to tell you, that's one of my all-time favorite Charles Bush plays, and I found myself at a birthday party sitting next to him, and because I we know each other through Carl, and we're having a lovely conversation, and I said to him, I said, Charles. I just have to tell you, I think The Divine Sister is one of the best things you've ever written. I said, and also some of your most generous writing, because he really gave some big stuff to Julie. Mm -hmm. So I said, some of your most generous writing. He looks at me and he says, I think so, too. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to make this show about him, but All my right. first experience with him was the vampire lesbians and Oh, my God, me too. Downtown at Robinstown Playhouse. Hello. So let's move away a little bit from this and tell me how much... Does 
I want to ask this the right way. Sexuality play in your professional lives? I don't know how to answer that. For us as a as voiceover actors. But that or, is not exclusively what you do. But No, yeah. but, but as far as that side of our business goes, it's everyone just knows us as a couple. So it's not it's not a thing. Like it's it's a very small group of people. It's a small group of casting directors. It's a small group of actors. And well, your sexuality has nothing to do with voiceover. No, work. it just has to right. do. It just has to do with people knowing that we're a couple. Okay. And, and so I, sometimes I think casting directors will bring one of us in and not the other because they're like same house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Same so if house. one of you gets the job, it's the two of you get the job. Yeah, exactly. In a sense. You know, mm-hmm. for me. Um, when I was working full-time on Wall Street, I was a little more closeted just because it was going back a few years. Well, and, the environment is yeah, not user-friendly. And, and now it's it's changed. It's not the first thing I say to people to identify myself, of course, but if it comes up in conversation, it comes up. Well, you do travel to some countries where it's not a cool thing. Right. And in, in, in those instances, I'm sort of quiet about it. And yeah, why absolutely. do you travel to those countries? Uh, I'm doing training. Uh, for that, so banks. that's still very much yeah. a part of your life. Yeah, I do writing training for a lot of banks. Mm-hmm. In certain countries, if I go to the Mideast, uh, you know, you have to be a little bit more cautious about who you're speaking with. I think it's really fascinating. Again, I use the word eclectic, but the eclecticism mm-hmm. of your career is that you do this while you do that. It's exciting. We're always doing different things in our lives. And some at some points, certain things take over. And at other points, other things take over. The joy of that is is exciting. Managing when the slow periods arrive and what you're going to do next, that's been a bit of a challenge in our lives because we're no longer... Neither, neither of us are full-time anywhere, uh, you know, so we're not paid by a company. So we've, we've been managing that over the years. Trying and to figure that out. Yeah, and that's been interesting. <laughs> but I, I want I do want to get back to the play for one. Oh, of course. Because sure. this has to do with sexuality. Okay. I always loved Hollywood nurses. And then the election happened. And that's when I decided that Hollywood nurses was another voice that I wanted to see off-Broadway. That was going to take on a different meaning? Yes. A more because, potent meaning? Yes, because... We all know, I don't care what anybody's political persuasion is, there's a a discussion of pulling back on people's rights all across the board. Yes. And on Broadway, off Broadway, we see a lot of gay male stories. We do not see a lot of female stories, lesbian stories. Indecent has been the, like, exception, which is just... tremendous. Yeah, it's an amazing And I'm play. so glad that Daryl Roth extended, extended it, it because yeah. there were so many people I wanted to see it and they're all seeing it now and everyone is coming away with the same feeling. Now with your play, does it take on a different meaning? Well, I think... An urgency? For me, I just want to see the story out there. And the thing that's so accessible about the story is it's not a political statement. Mm-hmm. It takes place in the 1950s and it's a love story between two women. And... That's what people have been coming away with about it, which to me is the lovely thing about it, that love knows no boundaries. And whether you're straight or gay or transgender or whatever, that love is love. And that theme right now, especially for women, you don't see on Broadway or off-Broadway. It was for me, reading reading those books when Pete and I were doing the research, reminded me of the moment I was 37 years old before I saw two women who were anything like me really kissing on television, really having a love scene. And that that was the L word. I mean, there had been a few kisses here and there, and Ellen had come out in her show. Mm, But this was mm -hmm. the first time I really realized, I was like, oh my gosh. That you were in a pariah? I've been watching everyone else in the world make out, male, female, male, male, and all of a sudden, here are two women. And it was just so... It wasn't that it was like, oh, look at them. It was more of like, oh, gosh, this is the first time I've seen it. 
So there was something inside both of you in, in terms of all the other work that you have done professionally. You needed to do this in a different way than you needed to do some of the other things well, in your past. Yes. Well, Pete and I, when we were writing it and really locking it down and getting it where it is, we always felt that way. But it just was so hard to get it produced. And so we let go of it and just moved on to other projects. And when the election happened, Norma was she just looked at me and she said, "I'm we're going to do this. We need to do this now. And I'm also a teacher, and I have found that it's, as far as sexuality goes, I'm open about it. There are times when I do mention Norma, like, and I'll, I'll refer to her as my wife. Mm -hmm. And it's important, especially for a lot of the gay kids, because not all of them come from an accepting place. Like, it's, it's, we're, we're starting to drive people back in the closet. <laughs> and it's remarkable to me how many of the young women, especially, um, and especially the, the little ones in couples, like new couples, they always want this. Can we have dinner with both of you? Can we go out and, and have have coffee with you and Norma? And it's it's in terms of validation, in terms of they don't they have grown ups, they have adults that they hang out with. But you don't necessarily see two women in a solid, loving relationship. How does that look? Mm -hmm. How does it look 20 years down the road? How does it look 30 years down the road? How do you do it? Well, how did your parents, you know, they have a lot of questions. And I think sometimes you just want to be around people like you who have more wisdom. So answer me this question. Did you have support when it, you determined that you were gay? Mm, it was not good for a while. Mm -hmm. My brother and my father were pretty okay with it. My mom struggled, but then everyone met Norma and it was like, oh. Never mind. Yeah, that's, oh. And then in our church in Texas, um, we started getting some gay couples, some lesbian couples. And mom was thrilled for this. She calls one of the couples her B team. Norma and are the A team. <laughs> a team. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and Dee Dee and Claudia are the, are the B team. And for you, Norma? You know, I came out a little later. <laughs> Are you going to tell a story I about your I am not going to tell a story about my father. <laughs> How can we not? That, that's a terrible oh, tease. No. Uh -uh. All right. Sorry, Norma. Uh, my my family was a little shocked because they had known me. I had been married very briefly. I was just going to say, yeah. weren't you married? And um, But they were really cool about it. And once they met Sheila, it was the same thing. My dad had a little bit of a... He was having trouble understanding it. He was having trouble understanding it. And, and Norma's father was very, very devoutly Catholic. Let me just ask something. Where are you from? Long Island. Oh, here. And you? Uh, Houston. Okay, which I guess would be harder than Long yeah. Island, I'm wondering. Well, yeah. maybe that's naive on my no, part. No, it's not. I okay. think that's, no, it's different. Definitely. It's really yeah. accurate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. okay. So your dad's a devout Catholic. And my, my, my parents were much older, and my, I have much older s siblings, and my dad was trying to wrap his mind around the whole thing, and and um, I can't believe I'm going to say this. So, so I took I'm, a, I'm out to my family. She's out to her family. Her dad hasn't really figured it out yet, and we're trying to figure out how to... Tell, tell him. Tell Dave yeah. that, that he's that she's in a relationship. That, that he knows her and he loves she Sheila. Loves me. But he doesn't understand. He, he just thinks she's a really good friend. He, well, yeah. he's starting to figure it out. Yeah. And okay. At the point, at this Are you point, living together at this point? Yes. Okay. And, and dad's almost this, 90. He was like 89, 90. Yeah. And he said to me, I took him out to lunch one day and we were having lunch on Long Island. And, <laughs> and he said to me, um, Sheila's, is Sheila gay? And I said, yeah, she is. And he said... Uh, are you in a relationship with her? And I said, yes, I am. And he said, but but you're not gay. And I said, well... <laughs> Is that a question or a statement? <laughs> yeah. It, it, he he was asking a question. Question. Mm -hmm. um, and I said, 
yes, Dad, I am, and I'm in a relationship with Sheila, and it's it's really great. And he, he looked down, and he was thinking and thinking, and I thought, oh, my God. I mean, I felt like I was 12 years old. I was sweating. There was a glass of wine on the table that I think I drank in three <laughs> seconds, and I'm sitting there, and then he's And just the two of you. Just the two of us. In this quiet moment, he's looking down, he's looking down, and all of a sudden, he looks up, and he says to me, do you stimulate each other to reach orgasm? This and is what he needed I, to know? I felt like I was in a Woody <laughs> Allen movie. Everything stopped, and I thought, oh, he wasn't worried about the relationship. He was trying to figure out the mechanics. <laughs> really? And I I just, I don't know where I got the wherewithal to, to respond, but I said, you know, I really don't want to go into those details, but suffice it to say, it's the best relationship I've ever had. And he said, okay. Uh, let's order dessert. And we were, <laughs> that was the end. And then Thank he you. walked away and he was fine. He was fine. He and seemed okay. And then there was one Christmas we were dropping him off at his place. And uh, I said, uh, Merry Christmas. I love you, Dave. And he turned around and he patted my leg and he said, I love you too, Sheila. And I thought, well, now everything is okay. Yeah. Everything is good. Isn't that wonderful? Mm -hmm. It's just wonderful. Yeah, it was. And my folks love Norma, my brother, my sister-in-law. They all just, we all, it's a good family Same here. Situation. My siblings, my nieces, our nephews, it's, everybody. It's very yeah. loving. It's so really all's right in your world. All's right in our world. So move that on to all's right in your world professionally. In addition to this play, where are you guys? What are you doing? Well, my training company has really taken off in a nice way right now. And I work with a few different people that I hire to work with me. And this works for you me. to do, I mean, to yeah. have a lot of fingers, different fingers well, th and different This pies. is really my main focus now. I'm really mm -hmm. focusing on um, media and presentation and writing training. I teach a sophisticated writing course with mm -hmm. uh, another colleague at Banks. So my main focus has been training mm -hmm. um, and my, my media company. And we do all sorts of training uh, in the States and around the world. I keep my hand on voiceovers because I love it. And I still do it on occasion. I consider myself a teacher. I mm -hmm. love helping people be able to stand in front of a crowd and get their message out and not get nervous. That's my that's my main thing. Or, or writing so people get what they're trying to say. That's big. And so I am a teacher on that level. And that's becoming a bigger part of who I am. And that's a natural act on your part. Yeah, and I love it. It's mm -hmm. an extension of being an actor and a writer and right. an editor and all the things I've done. And it's annoying to have people like you on because your resumes are just so freaking long. I know. <laughs> and like you're like, blah, 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 blah. I mean, just like edited down. Uh, well, I mean, not blah, blah, as in boy. Boring blah, blah. Right. But I think it's the creative juices part of this. And what about your writing? I'm at an interesting place. I had, at the school where I teach, I had a really busy fall and spring semester with no personal projects. Mm -hmm. So now that things are opening back up, uh, I'm deciding which play I'm going to go back into and work on. Um, so I'm in that process. That, or I'm going to take a class and learn how to make balloon animals, I think. Oh, that'd be great for you. I think mean, it'd be good for me, right? And I go to kids' parties? Right. Wouldn't that? No, I'm totally joking. <laughs> yeah, I, I would hope so. <laughs> We're not going to end that show on this note. <laughs> horrible. But you guys have done a lot of videos together, you know? Well, we've done the, They're the, hilarious, a couple, too. And you were in the Ruth Truth. But yeah, we did... Um, when the Supreme Court or, and everyone were deciding on whether or not we could all be legally married, we did something called Liberty and Justice, a love story, where she plays the Statue of Liberty and I play the symbol of justice. Yeah, you guys looked really great oh, in that you. video. Really good. Thanks. And our friend Mandy Fabian, who's a writer and a director out in Hollywood, she's just 
oh, so brilliant and amazing. She shot it. Thanks. Sheila is an improv expert. She teaches improv. She she works in improv. She's worked such in a natural for years for you. and years. Mm-hmm. And I've taken some improv. And I was in an improv group years ago, and I've worked with you in improv. Right. So we're natural together sometimes. We really just have right. fun going off on each other's ideas. And so as far as comedy goes and humor, I mean, humor is a tool. That It's a survival mechanism. Yeah. So the theory is people laugh for one of three reasons. They're surprised, they're embarrassed, or they recognize they, something. Yeah, they can relate. So yes. that's why comedy comes in threes, but it's also why you want to be as honest as you possibly can when you're improvising and acting, because people will recognize the, the humanness of the struggle. Because it's all there's always a struggle. For That's sure. comedy. You mm-hmm. can't have comedy mm-hmm. without struggle, and and when you personalize it, it even takes on a, another meaning. You exactly. Know? That's the and best that's part. Where, when you're there taking your clothes and off. That's you know? where recognition comes from, and it's why I like comedy because you can tickle people and get them laughing, and that's when you punch them in the throat with the truth, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. then they're soft and they're open and they can receive it and feel it. Um, we have to go. But you were hilarious. It <laughs> was so much you. fun doing this with this you. This was and a lot of fun. it was so honest and so easy. And I really can't thank you enough, Sheila Head and Norma Lana. I only wish you much more success. Thanks, and, thanks, thanks Andy. Andy. This has been really fun. I've really enjoyed it. Join us for another edition of Conversations with Creative Women. I'm Sandy Klein. <laughs> <laughs>